Amen. Great. My mic is on. Great. Super. Hello. Good morning. It's really lovely to be here with you all. My name is Lissy, as Jonathan said. I'm a lay member of this church. I've been here for a lot of years now. Um, I'm involved in the Ministry of Spiritual Accompaniment and holding contemplative spaces. Now, what's going on with my mic? Pull it away from my mouth. Better? It's the giant sweater. That's the problem. Yeah. Okay, great. So just before we go any further, let's just be quiet for a moment. If you just want to hold that stillness in your body that we've felt in that hymn, that song of praise. And we do, Lord, open our hearts and our minds to your word, your presence, your invitation. So here we are, Lord. Would you come and give each of us a nugget, a, wi- a piece of wisdom and insight that will nourish us and give us the grace to see you more clearly and walk more closely with you and love you more intimately, our dear Lord. Amen. Amen. So it is Mothering Sunday, and as we've already mentioned, I'm quite conscious that for some, this Mothering Day holds wounds and pain, and so I just want to say that if I touch on those in any way, it's, I'm, I'm, it's very unintentional, and I am sorry, but I do want to ask you really just to take care of yourself, so if you need to just take some space to leave the room or go elsewhere in your mind, please do that. What I want to do today is take a couple of aspects of mothering, namely nurturing and bearing, and talk about, think about, explore how each of us is invited, whether regardless of gender, regardless of status, regardless of anything, each human creature is invited to nurture and bear forth the spirit and presence of God. So that's what we're going to have a little think about today, how each of us, regardless of gender status, is invited to nurture within us the spirit of God dwelling in our hearts and to bear that forth into the world. So we're going to start with a couple of quick dictionary definitions. The first is for the word nurture. To nurture means to care for and protect someone or something while they are growing, to care for and protect someone or something while they are growing. And then the word to bear. Actually, the word bear means many things in the English language, but the senses which we're going to think about today are carrying or conveying, so bearing a piece of news or bearing gifts. Um, And then kind of this old formal sense of bringing forth. So Mary bore Jesus, we might say, giving birth to. Or we might talk about a fruit tree bearing its fruit, producing or yielding. So this sense of bearing forth the Spirit of God, and um, we just have one quick verse we're going to look at on the next slide, which talks about the fact that uh, God's Spirit dwells in us. So it's this indwelling Spirit that we're thinking about nurturing and bearing forth. We're actually going to start with the story of Moses in his basket from Exodus chapter 2. And just as a quick reminder here, um, the, the Hebrews have been sla- enslaved in Egypt for 
generations, for hundreds of years. Um, they've grown in number, and the current pharaoh feels that actually this group of people is possibly getting a bit too strong, a bit too big. So he decrees that all sons born to the Hebrew people must be put to death at birth. A little bit of an um, early parallel to what happens around the birth of Jesus, um, when all the Hebrew boy children must be killed. Um, but what I want you to listen for as I read this, this story, this familiar Sunday school story, is the three women in this story. We have Moses' biological mother, we have his sister, Miriam, and we have the daughter of Pharaoh. And as you listen to this familiar story, I want you to pay attention to how each of these three women uses her various gifts, strengths, and resources to nurture to care for and protect this child. Exodus chapter 2. So a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. So we have here a Hebrew boy who's destined for drowning. But when she saw, when Moses' mother saw that he was a fine child. You can imagine a mother looking at her newborn baby who's well and healthy. She hid him for three months. And when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him, and she coated it with tar and pitch, and she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds in the bank of the Nile. Now his sister, our second character, stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. And then Pharaoh's daughter, our third character, comes down to the Nile to bathe with her attendants. They're walking along the riverbank. And she sees this basket. She notices this basket in the reeds. And she sends one of her female slaves down to get it. Pharaoh's daughter opens the basket, and she now sees this baby. And she sees that the baby's crying, and her heart is moved. She feels sorry. She feels pity for the baby. So she looks at him and says, this must be one of the Hebrew babies. And I kind of can't help but wonder what she already thought about this plan to have all these babies put to death, if that was something already in her mind and heart. Now Moses' sister, our second character, approaches and says, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, says Pharaoh's daughter. Go. So the girl goes. She gets the baby's mother, our first character. And Pharaoh's daughter says to Moses' mom, Take this baby, nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman then takes the baby and nurses him, and when he gets older, she then takes him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he becomes her son. And she, Pharaoh's daughter, names him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. 
Ooh, so I would love to sit down and hear what you guys noticed, but sadly we don't have time for that. So I will quickly share what I noticed about how each of these women nurtured this child in different ways. First of all, Moses' mom nurtured him by taking a huge risk, really. She was ultimately, through her cunning and bravery, able to use her own hands, her own milk, her own home to nurture this child. But firstly, she had to use her courage and her wits, her creativity, her instincts, and all of this is fueled by her profound love. Miriam, Moses' sister, nurtured, cared for, and protected this child by being obedient to her mom, by using her position, which was an unassuming young girl, by using her, her loyalty to her mom, to her brother, by using her pluckiness, her voice, her acting skills. And Pharaoh's daughter nurtured this child by firstly allowing her heart to be moved by the sight of him, and secondly by giving him the protection of her family name. She used her position, her power, her influence, her finances to care for and protect this child. So I actually found it really interesting to think about the fact that this nurturing, nurturing we tend to think of as being such a kind of quiet and tender thing, but actually these women use such a variety of approaches. All three of them sort of step into their power in really clever and creative ways, making courageous and even political moves as they do so. So I say this mostly because as we think about nurturing the spirit of God within us, I think... Um, it's just interesting to maybe blow open some of our assumptions about what that might look like and think a little bit more widely and be open to unexpected ways of nurturing the Spirit of God dwelling within us. And I'm not actually going to expound on ways that I think you could nurture the Spirit of God within you because I really want to leave that to your own creativity and instinct and um, intuition. But Perhaps we can just be quiet for a minute and pray here in the middle of the sermon, this little prayer. Lord, though I feel small and poor and inadequate, and often unlikely, may I be open to understand the resources you invite me to use as I nurture your growing spirit within me. Amen. So speaking of being unlikely and inadequate, on Thursday we celebrated the Feast of the Annunciation, which is uh, the, the, the moment that the angel comes and says to Mary that she's going to bear the Son of God into the world. Another powerful picture of mothering, of nurturing, and bearing forth the presence of God. And there are lots of parallels between uh, these women in the Old Testament and Mary kind of nurturing these children who then go on to grow up to have such a key role in the arc of God's story of redemption and salvation and his plan for humanity. But we're going to look at Mary for a little bit and think about this sense of bearing, of caring, of conveying, of birthing forth, producing the Spirit of God. What a mystery. So we have the text with some pictures, just a few verses from Luke chapter 1. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, 
a town in Galilee. And I think it's really important to uh, just have in our minds the fact that Nazareth was like a tiny village and the Galilee uh, sort of province was of no importance culturally, socially, financially, politically. It was a backwater. It was kind of a nowhere. So in this tiny nowhere place to a young girl, the angel comes and says, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And then goes on to say to her, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. And Mary, of course, just says, how can this be since I'm a virgin? How on earth can I, so unprepared, so underqualified, so inexperienced, so unlikely, bear a child? Who am I to bear the presence of God? Who am I to bear the presence of God? And the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And Mary says, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. May your word to me be fulfilled. Mary is invited to bear the presence of God into her body into her life, into the world, into human history. Now, before I share with you this next image, which has been really important for me personally recently, I just want to say a few things about it. Um, this is an icon, which isn't something we tend to sort of work with and pray with in the evangelical tradition. Um, so it's a little bit different. So when it comes onto screen, if there are things about it you don't particularly like or feel a bit of resistance to, that's absolutely fine. Just observe that within yourself. Just notice what your reactions are with openness and curiosity. This icon was written by a local lady named Susan Moberly. Some of you may know her. She's recently retired with her husband from Hatton. Um, but she has written this icon, and this is the language we use about icons, that they're written rather than drawn, and we read them rather than look at them, because actually they're theological pictures. They give us information in the way that they're laid out about scriptural truth, about who God is, and about who people are. So let's look at it with that in mind. So what we see here is Mary letting God's word to her be fulfilled, bearing forth the Christ, the Son, the presence of God. And what you might notice about this picture is this is a tradition that's risen up um, through uh, sort of roots of the church that aren't particularly ours, but through other roots of the church, there's this sort of tradition that's risen up to link Mary bearing the presence of Christ with the burning bush. So you might notice our little tiny Moses all grown up there on the side with his sandals off because he is at the burning bush here observing this holy thing. Let's just remember what, what's said. I'll let you keep just observing this image while uh, we hear some of the words from Exodus 3. So the angel of the Lord appears to Moses in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though this bush was on fire, it didn't burn up. And actually in the Orthodox tradition, they don't say the burning bush, they call it the unburnt bush, which is really interesting. It's like this bush which is able to withstand the holy presence of God and not be consumed. 
Whoa. So Moses thinks, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why doesn't the bush burn up? How can it withstand this holy presence without being consumed? And then, of course, as he approaches from the bush, God says, Moses, take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. So to overlay these two images, Mary bearing forth the presence of God, Moses observing this holy and mysterious sight, we seem to see Moses approaching this and saying, what is this? How can this be? How is it possible that a mortal, a human, should bear the divine? How is it possible that the spirit of the Most High should choose to come on a girl from a very small town in an unimportant province? And indeed, how is it possible that the spirit of God should choose to dwell in me or in you? Unlikely characters, indeed. But it seems to be saying that this is holy ground. What is holy is that God does choose to mingle his very spirit with our own, to make our hearts his dwelling place, to allow us frail and finite and flawed creatures to bear his presence. Take off your sandals, for the place you're standing is holy ground. So I think that these stories, the stories of each of these women, the stories of each of this, of, of all this life sort of growing up and out is resonant because our spiritual heritage tells us that each of us is indeed invited in our own humble and unique and unexpected way to bear the presence of God. So I invite you to open yourself to this wild possibility that you are invited to tend and nurture the Holy Spirit within you, to make room for that spirit and presence of God to grow in you, to go forth and grow out of you. I wonder what this means for you and what it will look like for you. So if it's natural, I invite you to put your hand on your heart, if it feels instinctive. To feel your very own, very ordinary body breathing. And to ask, Lord, how are you inviting me to welcome, to tend, to nurture your presence within me? How are you inviting me to bear your presence to the world? We keep reflecting on this as the band just plays a song over us. Stay in that place of reflection, of pondering, of receiving. Listen to the song and then we'll move into our final closing song together. <laughs> <laughs> 